What's up, people? No tip, Jesus. We back. Another sharp conversation. Uh, last conversation I had was with Chrissy Mayer. Shout out to Chrissy Mayer and the great things she does. On the great content she puts out. Wonderful, 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 wonderful young lady. Today we have a very special guest. Before we get into that, as some of you already know, I'm a tech investor. I uh, invest my time and money into tech companies. Um, one that's near and dear to my heart, CoinBitsApp, CoinBitsApp.com. Succinctly put, we sell Bitcoin. But our machine, our, our little robot, does the work for you. So you don't have to think about it. Every week, it's going to purchase a little bit of Bitcoin for you. Little by little, it's based upon the dollar cost average investing strategy. Radiala would be very proud. People that are not familiar with investing, get familiar with investing. I have people sending me screenshots up 800%, 1,000%. Last year, we were well over a million assets under management. Great things are happening with that company, and we're growing really fast. So make sure you go to coinbitsapp.com. Get your Bitcoin from the Hoteps. Don't get it from the establishment shills. Get it from the real patriots, from the real, from the real people. I have another company, Wazo AI. Great things are happening over there. We're having a lot of great conversations. Um, we've secured our first investor, and we're currently like trying to tell another investor no, unless. He agrees to the certain terms we have because his first set of terms were sort of bogus, but he's an, he's an inexperienced investor, still a really great guy. Um, he's just not a typical startup investor and startup investing is quite different in how we value companies. If you're a traditional old school investor, you might not understand that, but we're a SaaS company. You value SaaS companies, you value completely different, especially when you factor in the artificial intelligence side of things. What basically we do is camera vision analytics. Anything that passes in front of a camera, we can analyze it. Uh, think China. <laughs> big, big brother. Yeah, that's us, right? Um, the only difference is a lot of people will send your data to the cloud. And that means somebody could be potentially spying on you. But what we do is we allow you to have this device and all the operations happen on the edge. So you possess your data and nobody can actually snoop and understand what's happening uh, with your stuff. Um, right now we, uh, we do a little bit of security. We've done some security installations, but we're looking to, uh, optimize the retail space and help, uh, retail stores manage their traffic and optimize their traffic to increase their profit. It's pretty much what it comes down to. Of course, you know, we use Jiffertize. Jiffertize is another mobile app. Empowers content creators, allows them to download just some videos from Twitter. Make sure you go get their Jiffertize app. We got grifties.com. Vote for your favorite grifter at grifties.com. Nominate your favorite grifter at grifties.com. If you're not familiar, type in the Grifty Awards at the Grifties here on YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel. President Doe Dubes has released the second State of the Grift. He's released two State of the Grifts before Biden has even announced one, he's going to give us a state of the union <laughs> address. So check that out. 
What else I got working on? Oh, I got a new announcement coming. Um, we're going to finalize an agreement with another tech company. That one's really, really cool. I can't wait to announce that. Really, really great people over there. Um, so, yeah, look out for that one. What else do I have? Um, that's enough. I know you guys are bored with this stuff. We're going to get into our guest today. So, a little backstory. I went on a Fresh and Fit podcast, and I ran into this guy. He's an attorney. Really, really great guy. Really funny guy. Really knowledgeable person. And uh, he joined my mogul summit class. You know, I, uh, those that don't know, I do a, a class every Saturday uh, to help entrepreneurs with their business. And he joined. And like right away, I was just like, yo, I need to get this guy on here. Oh, and he's very much uh, passionate about constitutional law. So without further ado, further to do, however it goes, I'm not Caucasian enough to know. <laughs> I present to you, Andrew Esquire. Andrew, what's up, my bro? Hey, what's up? I'm glad to be here, man. Thanks for having me on. I mean, it would be a disservice to the people if I didn't have you on. <laughs> well, that's what I'm here for. I'm here for the people, you know? Yeah. I mean, we were talking, and there's a lot going on today, right? And um, I think the, the three main things that have been threatened today under our rights are... Um, gun law mm -hmm. uh the right to travel yep and my body my choice with these stabbies yep yep and you know i was talking about like case law hold on a second hold on hold on hold on hey can y'all be quiet on the set please i'm recording they're just in there just talking <laughs> just going just you could hear them right yeah oh yeah i, I got it loud and clear Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry, people. My family's being loud on the set. Halima, $10 super chat. Thank you. Kent the Rose says, invest in this man, build better oligarchs. Axe. Uh, Fubadu, uh, $5 chat, said gun. <laughs> <laughs> Good deal. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, the first thing I really want to ask you is, uh, why are you so passionate about uh, constitutional law? What, what, what drew you in that direction? So here's the thing. So I, you know, I never was a guy who started as super big on con law because the people that are big on it are just crazy about it. You know, you got your crazy freedom of speech guys. You got a crazy two A guys. And I was always, especially in law school, I was like a moderate. I'm like, I can see both sides of the deal. Who's going to pay me more? You know, what's going on here? And I have always, since the beginning of my career, I've really focused on businesses. I've been helping businesses grow, helping them make money. And that's part of what I love doing. And it's something I continue to be really passionate about. But what I saw and what I believe now more than ever, our constitutional rights are under attack. And now more than any other time in history, and, and I don't say that lightly because we've gone through some pretty huge, crazy times in history, but for the United States, for the United States of America in our, in our total history, our constitutional rights are under attack now more than ever. Because, I mean, it's not, you know, sometimes it's just one, one right, you know, like your 2A is under attack. Sometimes it's freedom of speech. Sometimes, like you said, my body, my choice. Now it's everything. It's travel. It's your body. It's your information. It's your privacy. It's your business. It's everything. So, you know, just seeing that it's not just like a, it's not just a one issue. It's a full court press. 
So people got to be informed because I mean, it's just mind blowing and they're coming at it from every side. They're coming at these issues from every single angle, some of which would shock you because you wouldn't even believe how they're trying to attack these issues. Mm, mm, that's deep. All right. So yeah. a lot of people are going to see this guy on my screen and they're like, who's this guy? What? So, <laughs> what, what makes you qualified to speak on this? Can you talk about your credentials and, and, and what makes you qualified to speak on this subject matter? Absolutely. And if you want to see my knowledge base, check out my channel, Legal Mindset, and you can see exactly how much I know on my channel because I represent a bunch of different topics every day and give you the case law and the facts. But as for me, this is the seventh year I'll be an attorney. And before that, I was in business. I was in uh, literally uh, building businesses, building nonprofits, you know, and that is what I've done for almost a decade. So I've seen these things and I've seen how they impact the real world. Because a lot of times you have these laws and these other things that don't really have real world impacts, but I've been inside jobs that have changed their policies based on these shifts in the law. And we see that with a lot of things. Let's even think about something like masks. I've seen that implemented and seen how fast and how quick these companies are rolling these things out. So I've been on the inside for the last decade. And actually during law school, I did a lot of advocacy um, for constitutional rights. I was on a bunch of debate teams. I won a bunch of competitions for arguing First Amendment, 2A issues uh, when I was in law school. So it's something I've got a lot of experience thinking about. Mm, yeah, that's dope. Um, I, I was running some stuff past you, like Marilyn versus McCullough, and you're like, yeah, that's yeah. like day one. That's you know. first semester, bro. <laughs> first, semester first semester for those students, yeah. But, it, but it's fundamental. People got to understand that, you know, that's something good about this country is that we have three branches of government, which are theoretically in a perfect system supposed to balance each other out, right? Mm. They're supposed to be a check and balance on each other. But right now you got two that are pretty much going one way, and one of them that... You know, maybe it's going to be able to balance it. Hopefully it's going to be able to balance it. Um, but my concern and one of the reasons why I started my channel is not enough people are defending their constitutional rights when they really have a legal basis to do that. And I want to see more businesses and more people go out there and assert themselves and set some boundaries and say, we got to draw the line in the sand because this is going too far. I need you to explain to me on a fifth grade, le fifth grade level, these three branches and, and, and sort of how they're quarreling uh, yeah. back and forth. So, so you have three branches of government and this applies to the states and the federal government, right? So you have executive, legislative, and judicial, right? So executive, you know who the executive is. The president is the federal executive. He's the top of the executive branch. And what is that really there for? That is to execute, is to execute military commands and administrative commands. And it's to do it quickly and effectively. Because back in the day when we were rolling out as a country, we thought we really just needed a legislative body and the executive could kind of be weak. But we discovered quickly that you cannot deal with military affairs that are happening like that or with quick administrative changes, like for example, changes in foreign policy that need to happen like that with Congress. Shit, Congress can barely get anything done. I mean, everybody knows that. And that, that's, that's been through history. Yeah. So that's why you need the executive. You have to have it. You can't not have it. So they immediately regretted, you know, hey, the king sucked, but having no leader, no guy who's that, that point guy is a problem. So that's the executive. 
The legislative, you know, as Congress, right? Um, and on your state level, by the way, the executive will be your governor. Okay. So that's the, the state executive. So Congress is the federal executive and your state legislature is the state legislative branch. They make, they pass the laws, right? So they're the ones who are passing the laws. Now the executive usually signs off on them, but really they're the ones who are in most cases making the law and they can force the executive to accept the law. So in the end, passing laws, the power really comes down to the legislative branch. Mm. And that's because they're supposed to represent you. Okay. Representative democracy, they're supposed to represent you. We can debate whether that's actually true nowadays. Yeah. You know, but theory, in theory, they're supposed to represent you. Right. Now, the last is a judicial branch, and that's where we get into McCulloch, which is the key case, which says, what is the judiciary here for? What is the law here for? That's to decide what the law actually is. So yes, the legislature passed the law, but what does it mean and how is it applied? That's what the judiciary actually rules on. Because sometimes these laws are passed, they say ambiguous things, or they're super broad, or they're not clear. So who has to clean up the mess from the, the legislative branch? The judiciary. And they also have to clarify executive power, because what's going to happen with the president? They're going to overstep. Mm. They're going to go beyond their power as that big man, mm. as that sole leader. So the job of the judiciary is to check that and to say, actually, you went too far. So these executive actions, and it happened with Trump, and it's happening, it's going to happen with Biden. It happened with Obama too. They always go too far with these executive orders, with these executive actions. And it's up to the judiciary to check that and say, no, nah, that's actually too much, you know? They got Trump on the, on, the, on the theoretical Muslim ban. I think everybody remembers that one. And they said, well, you can't ban certain countries based on stating that you're banning them because they're Muslim. So they went back, they reformulated it, and it was passable, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. they got Obama for certain things revolving Obamacare, right? Yeah. yeah. And they're going to get, and Biden's going to get got eventually for something. It's right. just a matter of processing through the system. Yeah, I, you know, I just don't have so much trust in the system because as I go back into history and I just look at, even some of the decisions that the Supreme Court has made, right? And it seems like our rights are just, every year they just slip little by little because of, I wanna say, decisions by the judicial branch. Am I wrong in that? No, you're not wrong. And the thing is, the problem is, you know, especially at the local level, the state level, here's one big problem at the state level. A lot of judges are elected. So when you start electing judges rather than importing them for merit, and for impartiality and for skills and for tenure, you start electing them, they, they might as well be a legislator because you've just, you've just elected them. And when you get into this politicizing of the judiciary, it really is a slippery slope. So you, you, you kind of count on them to protect you from certain things, but what do you see? What do you see in reality? You see the California circuits being the most liberal. Well, I wonder why that is. You know, Texas is more conservative. I wonder why that is, you shouldn't know, they, shouldn't they be more balanced and more objective and streamlined? They, they should be more. And there's, there's times in history when they were, okay. and there's times when I think the court is at its best when I respect the court the most is when they're the most impartial. And you know what? There are still impartial decisions. There are still decisions that 
where you would expect them to go one way because conservative versus liberal, but then they'll just flip and go a completely different direction. Um, I can even, I, I actually met with Justice Thomas when I was in uh, a law school. He actually came to my law school okay. and he pointed out that, you know, more times than not, he's citing, it's, an, it's a unanimous decision or an 8-1 or a 7-2 decision. Mm -hmm. And he's siding with the liberals. You know, and they're, they're kind of all together on this because they agree on the legal principles. Mm -hmm. So I think the top court, you know, they're not perfect, but they get it right more often than not. Okay. Going down from that, you start seeing that, that's, you know, that ideal slide. Right, right. Um, opinionated junkie, new variant. Uh, V-I-R-U-S uh, could make the vagine useless. Um, Cassius Cam. Uh, he said, uh, I'm in the lab, stop by to chip in. Appreciate you, homie. Hotel to the people. God bless. Somebody asked, how are the, who, who are the judges elected by? Uh, somebody in the chat asked. So it's a different for each state, right? Yeah, if there's state, right? So for example, I lived in uh, Orange County, um, Florida, not California, uh, for a while. And, you know, they're elected by, for example, in Orange County, they're elected by the voters in Orange County. So they picked the people that politically were on the right side. So for example, we had a very political uh, election, especially after we had some, some issues in Orlando. You might remember Casey Anthony, you might mm. remember George Zimmerman. So how do you think those, those people who were in charge, those judges, uh, the state attorneys too, the head state attorney, who's the prosecutor, that's an elected position, mm. which, you know, once again, very problematic. If you're electing people, uh, you know, for example, in Florida, who are saying they're going to ignore Florida law. We had somebody in um, Orange County that said they wouldn't, uh, you know, enforce the death penalty, despite the fact that that is technically on the Florida books, you know? Mm. So you've got people who are more and more political coming up through the system. Mm, interesting. It's, it's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. You're deviating from what we've laid out on paper. Yeah. Um, and, and it's and you know what, not just on paper, but in history and culture, you know, you, you've always had learned elders, right? That's the power, these learned elders that are dispensing the wisdom, that are thinking beyond the current times and are thinking long term, that can see the effects. You know, in the law, we talk about concepts like opening the floodgates. If you ever hear that, that phrase, that's a real common legal term. That means essentially doing this is going to open it up to a whole bunch of craziness. So for example, big example, everybody's heard of the ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act. I think that was, the intentions were good. Help disabled people get places. The intentions were good. Here's the unexpected intention. A bunch of lawyers figured out they could get attorney's fees, so just started suing the heck out of everywhere and every place, including small businesses, to try to get them to make accommodations or settle for fees. And because they're making money on that, because the attorneys were making money on that, that was the unintended consequence. That was the floodgate. It got open to all this litigation. And you see that with a lot of stuff that's coming down the pike. They say it's going to do one thing, but that's not going to be the only thing that's going to happen. Right. right. Uh, you know, when I think about how to make America great again, um, I think what First of all, my, here's my solution. I say, don't pay, don't don't nobody write. Don't even think about writing a bill. Just stop. Everybody, just stop. We're not even bringing a bill to Congress at all. And let's take a look at the current bills we have. Let's just start repealing them. 
let's just start taking stuff away. You know my approach to business, right? We just mm-hmm. start taking yep. stuff away, right? Simplify. Yeah, let's simplify a lot of these things because a lot of this stuff is broken. I, why is it that you can have a bill like, I, I forget the technical term for it, but it's the uh, stupid 19 relief bill that was combined yes, yes. with the other bill. And it's like mm-hmm. a million things in this bill that have nothing to do with what the bill says. Why is that allowable? Well, because politicians want a scapegoat. They want a, a, a Trojan horse to, to get their in special interests in there. And they've got to do that. And here's the thing. They've allowed the rules to change because at some point that benefited them. Mm. You know, all those procedures at some point benefited their side. So that's why they implemented them. And, and some of these rules that they've allowed in Congress are, are insane. And the legislatures allowed are insane. And the fact that they can name a bill one thing, you know, equality for all, and it could say in the bill, um, you know, half the population goes to jail. And, you know, that everyone said, well, it's, it's named the equality for all bill. So, you know, we got to support that, right? You know, and they'll name it. Like, for example, I talk about the Violence Against Women Act. How could you support violence against women? You got to be against that. You got you to vote for that. But if I told you that that act is going to take away your gun rights, how would you feel about that? You'd say, oh, hell, I'm against that. Yeah. You know, yeah. but they, they Trojan horse it in there and they've been allowed to do it over and over again, over can, and over again. And no one calls them on it. Can you, no can one you, does. Can you go into that bill a little bit here and just tell me what are some alarming yeah. things that could potentially, because we're going to segue into the gun, the gun thing. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a good one to, to mix because that, that's a big one that I think a lot of people, they just they just let it pass by. They go, oh, well, you know, the assault weapons ban expired. They're never going to get it passed again. Well, they're never going to pass it as an assault weapons ban. They're going to pass it as part of Rona Relief or part of, you know, UBI or whatever they're trying to push or the violence against women. So what they tried to do with this specifically is really open up the definition of who can be caught with a restraining order, essentially a a court order to take away their guns. Mm. And the the level of fear, uh, the level of kind of culpability drops so they can preliminarily take away your guns, you know, Mm. while you're pending one of these these accusations, just an accusation, you know? Now, Now nothing's been proved. They just take it away preliminarily to be safe. And that's now on your record you know, that you've had your guns taken away and the judge has no requirement is under no timeline to give you those guns back. Your property has been taken with you because you are a supposed threat to that person. And they've opened up the definition of who is liable for that. It used to be a husband or a known boyfriend. Now it's anybody. You don't even have to live with them. It's just, you got it. You got a girl who you're, you know, you're, you're seeing six girls and you know, one of your girls knows you have guns and she's mad because she found out about the other five girls. Well, she says you're a threat, judge takes it away, uh, big trouble for you. I mean, you may never get those guns back. I mean, and people just don't understand that that's how they're structuring these bills because they're thinking on a, they're thinking the people that are coming up with them are how can we attack these things on multiple levels? You know, that you, people have heard about the NRA having legal troubles and stuff like that, that's out there but people don't hear about these other sly ways they try to take it away. And also stuff like, um, you know, and, and I think you've heard about this, 
you know, the kind of traditional masculine traits being labeled as, you know, toxic and problematic under the APA. So if you're now able to label some of these things that are traditionally masculine as, um, you know, disorders, and you're able to say, you know, judge, they've got a mental disorder because, you know, they've got these uh, aggressive traits, you know, um, and your guns are taken away for that. I mean, that's a low threshold. People think, people think it's because you're hitting them or there's some actual violence. There's no actual violence required under the act, not at all. Right. Sort of like how they would label some things that are happening in, and I hate this word, the manosphere or the red pill community. Yeah, whatever. I mean, they want to call it. Yeah. Right. So they could label this stuff as, let's say, toxic masculinity. Toxic yep. masculinity is a disorder. You're on a podcast. Yep. He's a threat. Take his guns away. Absolutely. I think although I mean, anybody who's in the manosphere right now uh, could be a threat of losing their guns just based on statements they've made on statements they publicly made on YouTube, which, by the way, is public record. It's admissible in court. So, you know, the judge is going to see all that stuff. That's that's all admissible. Um, so, I mean, you know, just based on that, anybody who's gone out and publicly made a statement, you know, is at that risk. I mean, I think most people who are putting themselves out there know they're at certain risks, you know, right. and that's why you don't hear a lot of people speaking about it. But that's why I feel strongly about needing to speak about it because you can't have nobody saying anything about it. You have to know the laws and where they're coming and how they're trying to attack them. Yeah. What's the new gun bill? House bill? Uh, was it four one 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 one? Um, I I haven't let's see. I haven't followed that one specifically. You know, sometimes I get it, you know, HB maybe four. Uh, House Bill, gun rights. Um, um, you know what's funny about this 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 new gun bill? And I, I can't find it. Mm -hmm. um, Is it 1911 maybe? No, no, no. No, 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 no. I think it's got a four in it somewhere. Okay. Um, it was it was by uh, Sheila Jackson. Mm-hmm. She, she uh, introduced it. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, you know, black people sit up here and they say, oh, you know, uh, 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 House Resolution 127, it looks like. Okay, let me just pull that up real quick. Yep, this is it, yeah. HR 127? Yeah, HR 127, Licensing and Registration Act. I believe this is one of them. I know the chat's oh, yeah. about to tell me it in any second now. I know. That. Yeah, that's a, that's a reliable source right there. <laughs> I got some of the best. The license, the licensing and registration of firearms. Yep. They want to like charge you um, every year. Uh, oh, here it is. House Bill One Four Four One. Let me make sure that's the right one. I knew it had a four in it. My my mind remembers. Oh, this is uh, Washington State. No, well, yeah, no, I mean, the, the 127 is bad enough. I'm just reading it right now. I mean, anything that, you know, makes a list and creates a registration, which is something, by the way, that, that you know, people have been fighting for years. NRA fought that for years right. because it just is so problematic. Think about the effect for criminals. I mean, if a criminal gets a hold of the list or they make that public, you know, because Freedom of Information Act, they'll probably let that information out. You know, now the criminals know exactly where to go to rob. I mean, most of the, you know, guns that are used on the streets are, are stolen guns. They're not, right. they're not legally, they're not obtained legally, you know. Okay, so. HR8. HR8. Uh, shout out to unknown username. HR8, that one looks dangerous. HR8 looks dangerous. And HR130, and, you know, we got, we got time. I'm sure you got time tonight. We can sit here and you can, you know, yeah. we can 
you know, I don't want to feel pressure to have to make a good show. Really what I want to do is make this a good conference, a good, yeah, yeah. you know, meeting of the minds um, with the people. Let me read these super chats. Pull up HR8. This one looks crazy. Yeah, I see the the bipartisan background checks. Uh, and, you know, I'm always questioning bipartisan. Who's the, who's what the, that, what does know. that mean? Yeah, that means a Republican is on it at some point, but. Okay. Oh, oh okay, know. okay. That's what they're calling it, though. I mean, right. let's see what it is. Uh, derailed courtesy of uh, archaic Pass- skids. There's uh, every single gun law, up to and including background checks, are unconstitutional. As a veteran, I stand behind this statement. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so so I think all all gun right all gun bills are going to really come up against a hard wall because of DC versus Heller. Let me drop this out there because this is very foundational. Everybody needs to understand this. Okay. So DC versus Heller, huge case that that really put the nail in the coffin of the the militia argument because for a long time there'd been that argument that the two A constitutional rights really just mean militia, you know, to the right to maintain a militia. Actually. What they found is that's really like a precatory statement. It's sort of like a like here's one possible purpose for it, but you know the real thing is the right to keep and bear arms shall not be restrained. That's the the real key is that the right to bear arms shall not be restrained, and you can keep them for personal purposes. It's the fundamental right to have them for personal purposes. Now, mm. does that mean the government can put no restrictions on them? No. That does not mean that the government can still put restrictions even on fundamental rights, but there's a there's a high scrutiny on that. And I guarantee you a lot of these bills are not going to pass that scrutiny if they make it too difficult to own and possess a firearm. What has to happen for us to lose some of these rights? Uh, what has what has to happen is, is that people have to acquiesce them and these things have to go unchallenged. I mean, look, I think the way we lose them is death by a thousand cuts. I mean, you death by a thousand cuts. You're going to come in. They're going to say, okay, uh, we're banning uh, weapons that look scary. Okay, so every weapon that looks scary, I don't care about the caliber, you know, because I always joke, that's what the assault weapons ban was. It was the scary gun, right? Because there's there's hunting rifles you can get that can shoot longer and further and have more penetrating power than an AR-15. But those aren't banned. It's the ones that look like they're super scary. And you know you can even take the same version of a gun and just take it down to the basic version, and that's not banned, but the you know upgraded version would be banned. So once again, ridiculousness. But you let that pass, then they ban ammunition, certain types of ammunition. Then they ban capacity. Then they ban long-range rifles, or then they require you to get a license. Let's just say they don't ban them. They require you to get a license for a hunting rifle. They say, well, you know, you want a long-range rifle like that. You know, you want your 30-06. You got you to have a license. You can have a handgun, but not that. And then they ban, you know, and then they ban certain types of handguns. And then they, you know, move to shotguns. Then they move down to handguns. I mean, it's, it's, it's step by step. Hey, you know? um. And once again, you can also do things like banning it for certain criminal offenses or for, you know, certain other things. So you're saying, okay, well, you know, if you're a criminal, well, if you're also at the same time increasing the types of laws that make you a criminal, once again, you're increasing the amount of people that are on the ban list. See what I'm getting at here? Yeah. So you're, you're increasing the ineligibility list on two different fronts. Mm. One's a direct, these are the direct attack, HR8, 127, that's frontal assault. That's, they're going for the gate, but they're sneaking them in the back door at the same time. That's mm. the real challenge here. Mm. So 
I'm thinking about registration and licensing. Yep. When we think about registration and licensing, like somebody just said, um, mm-hmm. it's unconstitutional, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking to myself, how does how did how did it get that far? How did what had to happen for them to require a license, for them to require a registration? Who made that call? Judicial branch, executive branch? Do you, and you may not have these answers because obviously you might need to look them up, right? Well, well, no. What I what I I mean, the process is this. Okay. The process is the legis. Here's always the the way, and this this applies not just to firearms, but this applies to even the Rona regulations and everything else is that the executive or the legislature will just go out there and do something. And we've seen a lot of governments, especially during the pandemic, we've seen them go out and do stuff and they say, we don't care whether it's constitutional or not. What, what that does is it burden shifts onto you as an individual or as a business to challenge it. So they're burden shifting to you. So it is always the executive, it is always the, the people who are being elected who are putting it on you. The judiciary is never the one to come out there and impose these. So the judiciary is never to blame. They're the only people that can that save this stuff. Um, they're the only saving grace. But here's the other thing you got to remember. Okay. Some of these cases can take five to 10 years. Right. So you can't count on the judiciary to save you right away. They may come, they may come out eventually, but a lot of times, you know, these things will change and the, you know, the laws will change and whatnot. Um, or they'll be declared what's called moot because they're lifted. So think about like a pandemic restriction. So let's say I ran a uh, bar and I said, it is unconstitutional for you to shut down my bar. And I sued. It might take me six months to get a hearing. By then, maybe my bar's not shut down anymore. Maybe it's at 25%. So you say, hey, it's moot now because you're not completely shut down, you're, you're open. So technically you can make business. So your argument that you said that completely closed is unconstitutional, that is now moot. So you'd have to refile saying, okay, well, this restriction at 25% is unconstitutional. Well, then what if it goes to 50? What if it goes to 75? What if it goes to fully open with certain modifications? You know, so there's a lot of legal tricks and these governments know them and the legislature and the uh, executive, they are masters, masters at using these tricks. Mm, mm. Um, and, and, and I know this because I, I'm, I've been in the background, I've, been, I've heard the advocacy groups, I've been in the background, I've also represented governments. And they've just said, you know, flat out, some governments will say, we don't care. We're gonna, we, we know the law, we get it, but we don't care. We're gonna do it anyways. Um, we have something called the 10 Hotep commandments and, um, number 10 is I'm a master of law and finance. And I think that's why I thought it was so important to bring you on today because people need to be educated on this stuff. Because for example, we talk about licensing and registration of guns and these things pass It's because the people have been lax. Yes. Right. And things happen and they're probably distracted with the Super Bowl or you know, some celebrity beat up his girlfriend or something like that. And in the meantime, things are getting passed underneath their nose, right? Mm-hmm. So now, what, like you said, the onus is on us to go to court and fight some of these, some of these things, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and to support groups that do it because they're, they're, they're under attack right now. I mean, like I, like I said, the NRA is going down, um, you know, so there's going to be successor entities that are going to come 
come up and pop up. And you got to make sure that you're supporting ones that are zealously uh, advocating your rights that are that are out there really, really pushing, pushing your rights. Yeah. Like and, and honestly, and honestly, here's the thing. Even I haven't done re enough research on which which successor entity is going to be like the one that's going to step up because I don't think it's clear right now. You know, which right. one's going to step up after the NRA goes down? Because they're, uh, I don't know if you know, but they're brought up on corruption charges in New York. Um, NRA? You know, to, yes, related to their organization. Talk to me now, about I, that. I, honestly, I haven't read the facts too much. Okay. I don't know whether it's political or not. I mean, okay. I'm always suspicious when I hear New York and corruption charges, you know? So I don't trust anything coming out of that state, but, you know, as a good Floridian, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's it, one way or another, they formed in that company, their assets are in that company. So they're subject to New York law. Right. Um, you know, when I, when I think about like crypto, for example, yeah, right, um, we've been wholly restricted, uh, by FINRA and, you know, SEC and all these other financial institutions who draw up legislation or whatever they do. And I keep telling the crypto community. You guys are online all day talking about Bitcoin going to the moon, Bitcoin going to the moon. And I'm like, where is your law board? Like everybody needs to be chipping in some Bitcoin, creating a board that is going to like their job is just to fight Bitcoin laws. Yes, yes. Because they're the I mean, people don't realize they're coming. And, and, and that's what I think people don't understand. They're just high on the hopium. They're high on the, we're going to the moon. You know, they're on that rocket ship and, you know, they're flying with Doge, you know, but they're, they're, they're missing out on the fact that every single asset that's ballooned like this, even in the 1930s, you got to study history. You know, FDR, what did he do with gold when that stuff spiked during the Great Depression? He banned it. He banned it. And if you got nobody who's ready to fight that, uh, there's going to be some problems, guys, when you're not able to withdraw from your Coinbase, you know, from whatever else, when you're not be able to hit the, when your, your funds are not going to hit your U.S. accounts. I mean, how many of you have foreign accounts set up to receive your Bitcoin? I don't think it's a lot of U.S. citizens. It's not. So you're going to have some trouble, you yeah. know? Yeah. And um, I look at, for example, you know, um, conservative Twitter. Yeah. Everybody's seems to be focused on what the left does and what the left does and what the left does. Reactionary. Reactionary. And some of these people are attorneys. And they're on Twitter, like, arguing with liberals. I'm like, the conservatives should be outside your house, taking your phone away from you and telling you, use your law degree for some use. Use your law knowledge for something that, that could be worth something. Conservatives yep. wholly need a board. Hey, mm -hmm. gun rights are coming down the pike. We can't trust Congress. Where's our little guys on Twitter? Where, get together and figure out, like, like the case law you pulled. We're going to mm -hmm. go over some more of that case law that you have. And, and this is just me on my personal time pulling this case law. There are people who do this 24-7, 365, who are just sitting there researching this stuff. They, they, have, they, have, they have mountains of attorneys. They're interns that go for whole summers for free. They spend, they've spent DC cost of living for four months just for the pleasure of doing this research. And no, where are they? They're, they're nowhere. They're nowhere. And, and here's the other thing too, and I like that you mentioned business and finance, because if you've got that 
business background. If you're the conservative side, you've got the business background, you've got small business, you've got all these assets on your side, you're really the side that's generating the revenue, generating your wealth, you should be more concerned about this. And you should be more well-resourced because you've got the funds. Putting those together and attacking and really, you know, not just, not just defending, but in some cases even attacking, like you said, to repeal things, going on the offensive. Because I think there's a little bit too much, um, especially on the conservative side, of just being purely reactionary, purely defensive, and not proposing anything, not really attacking. I mean, going hard at some of the restrictions and saying, we're gonna not just, we're not just gonna fight what's coming now, we're gonna fight what's come in the past, and we're gonna try to really knock them back. Yeah, that's, that's I feel like if you can go retroactive, you prevent stuff from the future even being possible. Absolutely. Um, and for con law, that, here's the good thing. For all other types of law, for like, let's say you get in a car accident and some guy, walk, you walk out, you get hit by a car and you, know, you decide to wait six years before you sue him. Well, in a lot of cases, there's a statute of limitations. Statute of limitations is the limit. There's a time limit. Right. Con law, that doesn't exist. So, I mean, you know, your rights are infringed, your rights are infringed. You know, they're being actively infringed. So, I mean, you know, especially with something like a gun legislation, you don't, there's no statute of limitations. Let's say they pass something requiring you to license your guns. If that's unconstitutional, that's unconstitutional today, that's unconstitutional tomorrow, and that's unconstitutional 10 years from now. And we can go retroactively, go fight You that. can go as far back as you want and challenge that. There's things that are in our, that are still on the books in some places that people should spend the time to dig and to fight but they just don't do it. And maybe it's because people have a natural tendency to acquiesce and just to move on and just to work with what they got. But you know, if conservatives want to get a W, they really got to dig and fight, I think. And, and you know, a lot of people talk about, oh, the Illuminati and you know, this is that dirt. And I'm like, <laughs> I feel like America was designed for the intelligent. Yeah. It was designed for people that are going to take the time to really sit down, study, and use this system to their advantage. We can all sit down and study this case law or pay people to do that to make our lives better. We just don't. Yeah, and I, I think that just understanding the basics yourself, understanding the fundamentals yourself, lets you know where you got to go. Let's say you wanted to hire a professional. You should understand the basics. Let's say you're interested in gun, light, gun rights or 2A. Understand the basic law. Go read DC versus Heller or, or you know, even a summary video on that. Go understand about those rights. So if you want to challenge that yourself, if there's something in your area where you live that's unduly restrictive, let's say you're in Chicago, one of the most restrictive gun rights in the whole U.S., you know, and you want to challenge that because, you know, in Chicago, effectively, you know, ownership of a, a firearm is uh, illegal, you know, in some senses. So, you know, go challenge that. I mean, there's, there's opportunity out there to go and aggressively challenge those laws. And I think people would if they understood how unconstitutional some of these laws are. And, and, and just the easy W, if they had the gumption and the will to push it. Stop grifting chat. Drop some super chats in here. Drop your questions in the super chat. Stop grifting. If you're grifting, you got to get out of here. But likes are free. Hit the like button, man. Uh, Darrell, courtesy of Archaic Skid, said the Second Amendment ends, which shall not be infringed. Government has no power to do crap except we let them. 
I think that's what it comes down to, man. Like, we're- yeah, that's what it is. Right to keep and bear on shall not be infringed. That's a pretty that's a pretty strong statement. I mean, that's like a mic drop, like you know, and just and and that was what DC versus Heller proved. And that's just got to be aggressively litigated in the future, not just reactionary. It's got to be aggressively litigated. Put them on the defensive. Put them, you know, because what will happen in these cases sometimes is you'll get a preliminary injunction. And what that is, is it's the court saying, while we figure this out, the law is not enforceable. So while like while this is pending, you can't enforce this. Okay, let's let's walk. Let's walk through this. There's some yeah. sort of law on the books. Yeah. We want to challenge it. Yep. What are some of the steps we have to do to begin this process? So, like I said, the first thing is understanding the basics of the law that you want to challenge, right? So let's say it's something regarding, we've been talking about 2A, but let's say it's something regarding freedom of speech. Let's say they're saying you can't go here, you can't say this. Uh, you've got to be in this specific spot on a specific free speech zone on this corner in order to uh, counter protest or in order to make a message. And you want to challenge that. You say, you know what? I don't think I want to be in your little box. I want to be where I want to be on the sidewalk, not blocking anybody saying my message. And I want to be advocating that. So what would you do? You would look up the basics of freedom of speech. And there's so many resources about that. Just understand the basics. And once you've got that, seek out an expert, seek out a specialist in that area who's got a track record of doing that type of law. Now you could file stuff yourself. And I'm not saying that, you know, if you've got money, you've got resources, you want to try it yourself, that's fine. But I think finding somebody who's an expert, who's a specialist is always going to be the best case scenario. Now, unfortunately, those are fewer and fewer on the conservative side, but they still do exist. (laughs) We need more of them. Um, Well, I I tell people, you know, the funny thing is about that, just freedom of speech. You know, the ACLU used to do freedom of speech cases. They used to do that. They they defended the Klan. People don't even understand that one. I tell people they're shocked. ACLU defended the Klan. They said they have the right to speak. It's vile, it's disgusting, it's hateful, but that's freedom of speech because they understood at one point that speech, you know, one little nick against speech is a nick against any type of speech. It doesn't matter what politics you are. You're on the right, you're on the left, you're a socialist, you're totalitarian. That is speech is speech. And they understood that. They've completely forgotten that. So, you know, you're not going to turn to the ACLU if you want help on your freedom of speech case. Why do you say that? What are they doing? What are they up to now? They're like, they won't, they won't, they won't touch it. They won't, they won't touch it at all. They only will do things that are, uh, uh, how can I say this? politically viable on the left because they're that's where the majority of their donations come from there's fiscal support so they've said that's where our bread and butter is we're going to stick to that we're going to forget about this freedom of speech stuff because that was our our past we're going to look past that you know acl sold out yep they sold out god damn it um let's talk masks right there's a um, oh yeah love them there's a <laughs> It's just funny. I mean, you know, it's funny because I'm here in Florida, right? So um, I was at a conference here that happened a month ago, and we had people from all over the country that came to this conference. Um, Now, tables were spaced out, but there were six people at a table. And we had a guy come in, and he flew in from New York. Not only did he have, you know, two masks on, but he was just shocked 
that everybody, once they sat down, because there was food there and drinks there, everybody took their mask off. He was like, there's too many people at each table and everyone's got their mask off. I can't believe this. He was about to walk out if he wasn't necessary at that conference. He was a speaker. Mm. So he would have walked out. What a um, yeah. So it's just something that I think society has quickly programmed into people, especially if they live in certain areas where it's been strictly enforced. So that's my problem, right? Like, is there any infringement upon their rights? Do businesses have the legal right to enforce this thing? Does the government have the right to tell a business to where are we at with this? I love that question. I actually got that question on my channel very recently because there's, there's two different questions there. Okay. There is number one, can the government force businesses and individuals to do it, to wear a mask? Mm -hmm. And number two is, can businesses force individuals to wear a mask? Mm -hmm. So let's, let's start with the second one because it's actually easier to answer. Well, as long as it's not discriminating on the basis of any protected characteristic, so you're not doing national origin, race, religion, gender identity, you know, as long as masks aren't associated with LGBT, then, you know, yeah, you could say they're required, just like your business could say anything is required. I mean, the businesses can set their own standards and policies for who they take as customers, as long as they're non-discriminatory. Okay. So, you know, if you say I'm running a, I'm running a boat business, you know, and I, I deal with boats and then I walk up with my jet ski and I say, yo, work on my jet ski. You can say, no, we don't work on jet skis. Right. You know, just like I, my business could say, Hey, wear a mask. Here's the problem right now. Uh, there's, administrative guidance in a lot of states and even at the federal level that recommends mask use. So you got to understand when you have guidance and even if it says recommend, here's the problem. If you're a business, let's say you're Walmart and you say, you know what? I've read what the CDC says. I've read what my state says. They recommend it, but we're going to go, nah, not for me. We're going to, we're going to go and opt out of that. And then somebody at your company gets sick and talks to a sleazy lawyer because they're out there, guys. And they say, let's sue Walmart. And I'm just using Walmart as an example. It could be Grifty Mart. Well, you Grifty Mart, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this company gets sued. They're going to probably, at least at first, lose because they're defying an industry standard. There's an industry standard. That's what's the reasonable procedure for that industry. So a lot of judges, I'm not saying all judges, maybe you'd win in Texas, but you know, a lot of judges are going to say, you know what, you're liable because you went against the industry standard. You know, it's almost like a, a making a car without a seatbelt. Yeah. You know, it's like, you, I mean, even if that wasn't illegal and, and I don't know car regulations, so don't hit me out there, car people, but yeah. imagine if a car company did that, yeah. they, it'd, be, it'd be okay. Well, they're defying the standard. The problem is, is that this standard is ridiculous and it's not scientifically proven to prevent completely the thing they're trying to prevent, right. you know? Right. Um, so that's the, that's the key issue. So yes, a business could do it. Now businesses may, because states like Florida, like Texas are passing liability immunity. So they're saying businesses are no longer liable for COVID-19 lawsuits that could come up from this, from all those, you know, Morgan and Morgan or any other, you know, big consumer law firm that might sue. Um, they're saying, look, we're no longer, you know, we're making businesses immune to this. 
you know, just like businesses couldn't be sued for the flu or the common cold, you know, we're saying, okay, we're, we're making businesses immune to this. Businesses may start to remove that requirement in states that no longer mandate it. Texas, Florida, now Arizona, a lot of, a lot of Western states are now removing these mandates. So you may start seeing this. And what I'm going to be interested to see is where does the business go? I think people will start shopping at the places that don't require it because mm -hmm. I think people are fed up with it, especially, I mean, being here in Florida, people are definitely over it. Um, you know, so I think that would show business, but the businesses haven't gone out there and taken that step. They haven't taken that risk yet. Right. Second, the first question though, is the bigger one, the government mandating business to do it. Right. A lot of issues there. You got some federalism issues. For example, can the federal government tell businesses in a state that they're required to wear a mask? Probably not. That probably falls within the state's, the state's powers. And can a state tell a business I think there's there's ability to question that. I mean, I think you could challenge it because even if you look at the law regarding um, public health emergencies, and uh, the, guys, the the law on this is so old it goes back to smallpox, which is like an extremely deadly disease. But even that case law, even though it said, "Hey, yeah, you can't put in some restrictions," in that law, it says those laws are not supposed to last forever. And they're not supposed to be unduly burdensome. They're not supposed to be too harsh. They're not supposed to be so ridiculous as to burden business because they were concerned about business too. This is Jacobson and versus Massachusetts. Jacobson versus Massachusetts. That is the smallpox case. Now, a lot of people cite that as the justification for mass mandates, for lockdowns, for vaccinations, for a lot of this stuff that they're trying to put down your throat because they say there are limits to liberty. Liberty is curbed for public health. But you got to pay attention to the whole case because even the reasoning in the case, even if for the losing side, the reasoning still matters. And the fact that the judges cared about a balance, they didn't say public health is, a, is a, something that waives all rights. They didn't say that. And no other case, no other case has gone all the way up to really be the new case. I mean, what we have today is unprecedented. We have governments that have declared a state of emergency for a year and a half. Is it a state of emergency a year and a half, for a year and a half, or is it just normal? I, I think it's a state of emergency because they wanna keep emergency powers. And once they get those powers, they don't want to give them up. That's the oldest government trick in the book. You know, the emergency becomes the normal. And I think that's the that's the angle I would go into court with, right? Yeah. It would say, okay, you're allowed to have this power if we're in a state of emergency. But if I start pulling records from, you know, the CDC about the death rates, if I start pulling like the recent article that came out where they said excessive death excessive deaths reported which mm -hmm. means more deaths were reported under stupid 19 than had actually existed yep i should have been an attorney so now. <laughs> no you're doing good man you're doing good am i doing good Is, isn't doing that good. a good angle to go to court with that is a perfect angle because the thing is courts look at the facts. They actually look at what's called, there's, you know, um, facial challenges. So a facial challenge is, is, hey, the law as it looks on paper, just on paper, it's unconstitutional. But you're gonna hear another term in terms of law. You're gonna hear as applied. 
And that applied, for example, back when they're doing the civil rights stuff, they're saying, well, maybe on paper this isn't discriminatory, but as applied it is. That was back from the civil rights era. It's saying, you know what, we're looking at as applied, we're looking at reality, how it's implemented is discriminatory. And what the issue is with as applied, a lot of these things are unconstitutional. Maybe they look on paper like they aren't, but they are because, like you said, it, it is not normal to be keeping it on this long when the figures are not as bad. And I, I say this very clearly because I know that it triggers, you know, algorithms when you're saying, you know, I, I made the, the cold flu comparison. Yes, it's technically worse than them, but is it smallpox level, Ebola level? Is it, you know, that sort of mortality rate? No. So, so um, you know, in terms of, in terms of, uh, you know, fatality percentages and, and right. whatnot, you know. So, is it, is, it, is it as bad as they predicted it last March? No. no. Not even close. Not even close, exactly. So uh, help me understand this as applied thing because yeah, right over my head, right? <laughs> Let me do it one more time. Let me do it one more time. Okay. So for example, uh, this is a big example. This happened back in the day with voting and uh, trying to keep people from voting, right? right. So they would apply a um, literacy test. I said, hey, it makes sense that if you want to vote, you should be able to read, right? But in some places in the South, they had, you know, uh, they had passages that were very advanced or they were giving out Shakespeare or, you know, advanced. And they say, okay, well, it's discriminatory for you to drop Shakespeare and expect somebody to understand that and translate it, right. you know? So as applied, even though on its face, you could make somebody have some basic li literate, literate understanding. That makes sense. Right. That's not technically discriminatory as applied in reality it is discriminatory ah, because the way it's going down the way it's going down is discriminatory that makes sense yeah yeah that totally makes sense okay i yeah i, I get that um let me read some super chats we're gonna come right back to this this is, this is getting good uh rita monster thank you rita she said great info andrew thanks hotel jesus for bringing us this info i had to man this is our lives we're dealing with happy here. to be here um, Fubadu uh, said, uh, what is an example of a gun law that restricts the right that is constitutional in Andrew's opinion? I'll read that again. What is an example of a gun law that restricts the right that is constitutional in Andrew's opinion? So I think that, and I, I brought this up and I haven't um, done a deep dive on this. So I don't have like bill numbers and exact numbers, yeah. but I know in certain places they have stricter gun laws than I think are constitutional. Once again, these haven't been tried, so I brought, but I bring up Chicago as a great example because I believe there are certain provisions in Chicago that effectively make ownership of a firearm problematic, make it effectively impossible for you to buy a firearm in parts of Chicago. So, I mean, if it was to say, okay, well, you can't own a firearm. Let's say there's a law passed locally that says you have to apply for a license to buy a firearm, any type, handgun, shotgun, rifle, anything, you got to go get a license. I think that is unconstitutional. That is clearly unconstitutional because you are being prevented. You're having to go through a process to buy a firearm. You're infringing upon your right to own a gun. It should not be something that you have to jump through a bunch of hoops on. You shouldn't have to qualify. You shouldn't have to go through a super ultra rigorous procedure. I do agree that, okay, you wanna make sure someone's not an uh, active felon that's out on a felony warrant. Okay, I think that's you know a reasonable restriction. But you know, short of that, um, I think that there's very few, you know, cause, and let me be clear about the felony thing. When you hit felony level, 
you're restricting a lot of constitutional rights, not just guns. You're restricting your voting rights, your mobility, your freedom of movement. I mean, you're a felon. There's a lot of things going down that are problematic. Now, are they going to try to make certain things felonies so they can trigger that? You I was just about to go there. Yeah. Your sweet butt, they are. But that's, well, like I said, the two-pronged attack. So they make more people felons for those types of crimes that you know, happen to be the people that own guns. They make more of them felons. And uh, you know, then they uh, also ramp up the gun laws. And then you've, you've without banning guns, without, without directly assaulting the 2A, you've got it to the point where the 2A doesn't matter anymore. Right. You've right. disarmed most of society, except for maybe the preppers who are hiding out and don't have contact with anybody and you know, close their gates. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You got the bunker and you're, you're not talking to anybody, but I hope they're also not dating anybody because if they call the cops, they're coming in there. Right. And, and you know, like, like I tell people, you know, you look at all the instances in the past, I, I hate to say it, but you know, um, instances like Waco, Ruby Ridge, those instances in the past, I mean, in the end, the government's gonna win. You know, and, you know, when it comes to force um, and they've proven the willingness to use force to, you know, execute on those gun laws. So they're not shy. And uh, I don't think they'll be shy in the future. Word. Uh, no, I'm saying said, uh, what about medical discrimination? How can businesses require people to be vaginated? That's a big one. That's a big one. Now. Uh, good news. This is hot off the presses. Florida just passed an executive order from Ron DeSantis that any sort of vaccine passport or vaccine requirement to go to any business in Florida is illegal. It is, is prohibited. You cannot require vaccination for any business in Florida because it said he said very clearly, you know, the, the point is, if you want to do it, we want to provide the right to do it. But should you be required to do it? No. I mean, you want to do it. That's fine. But should you be required to do it to, to, especially for basic life things? No. And I think that's the, the biggest issue is that, and you're going to get into a lot of constitutional issues, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's a ton, but you just start with, I think, freedom of movement. You know, that's a fundamental right. Your right to go where you want to go, to conduct business, to go to different states. And if a state is saying, hey, you can't stay, let's say New York says, you can't stay at a hotel in New York unless you have a vaccination. That would be unconstitutional. And that is something that people would need to challenge ASAP. Okay. Because the, the second you go down that hill, it is, a, it is a slippery slope. Okay. Looks like we're moving into the vagination passport hold on hold to that thought real fast oh, daria yeah. uh darion $10 super chest at work appreciate you homie um he's watching from work uh hotep daryl said is andrew aware of any cases charges beat by someone because of the second amendment it seems people just lose the case and get serious time example lil wayne in new york new york gun rights oh yeah, I mean, that's why Little Wayne got that pardon, right? I mean, you know, you know, he uh, he got that good Trump pardon, you know? Um, and he was getting a lot of his charges down here in Miami. He got, that was some of his first charges and his last charges were down here in Miami. Wow. Um, you know, I just think uh, with a lot of these gun cases, like I said, because they're not attacking aggressively enough, they're all on the defense like that. They're just taking massive losses. And, you know, people, but people like, you know, let's say Little Wayne, forget Little Wayne specifically, but rappers, celebrities, those are people that have the money and the funds to fight these fights. And those are the people you need because you need a face on the movement. You need a leader who steps up and says, 
I'm going to be the guy who's going to go out there and challenge this because this is ridiculous. I'm going to stand up for people in Chicago who they just want to defend themselves. You know, they just want to be safe in their own okay. homes, you know, in their own. They want to be able to have the ability, the individual ability to protect themselves, to not worry about the response time in Detroit. What is it? The, the hour response time in Detroit. They don't want to worry about that. They want to defend themselves. So challenge those laws. You know, I don't know what Detroit law is, but let's say there was a Detroit law. Challenge it because you have the right to defend yourself and not wait on the police to come there and, and maybe help you. I think the conundrum here, Hotep Darrow, is the fact that the cases that are going to help people are not going to be highly publicized. You'll see a lot of people getting they ass whooped in court and that'll be publicized. The left will put that in your face all day to discover every day, you. every day, right? Every day. They're, they're, I mean, it's constant barrage. You see all the cases of people who are just absolutely, um, you know, doing these ridiculous, you know, and, and you also see the egregious gun cases, right? So anytime a guy goes and shoots somebody, you know, that's out there. The cases are out there about guys beating their wives and how, you know, that, should take their guns, but you're never going to see the people defending yourself. They're never going to see those cases. And those are so numerous and so out there, but nobody's heard of them. Nobody's mm. heard of them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the problem. And I think that's a niche, right? When we talk about entrepreneurship, right? That's a niche. Somebody can spend their life with and say, look, we're going to surface all the time. Somebody won a case where the constitution helped them and make that apparent and turn it into a news media outlet and just spend your time bringing that stuff to service. That's the service you can provide to humanity, especially here in America. Um, and there's a niche there. Um, all right. So, all right. So we're going, we're going backwards in the conversation. <laughs> uh, I like to do this cause I like to have a full complete understanding of things yeah, on yeah, the face it. and as applied. I yeah. get that now. That makes sense. Um, Businesses can discriminate, just not based upon color law. Am I using, is, yeah, wh yeah, whatever you want, you know, color X, Y, Z, you know, you're Russian, you know, any of that. Right. But you can't tell them to take off their yarmulke, you know, that sort of stuff. Right. Now, my take was people were asking me, you know, why they got all these stupid things like the barriers in certain places, da, 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 da. And it, it doesn't make any sense, right? It's not scientifically plausible, uh, right? It's industry standard. I've read, I've read those standards, guys. And that's the thing. I, I, you know, when I look at company requirements, I've read those standards. Those plexiglass barriers, the barriers that people speak around and yeah. that don't do anything because pretty much people ignore them or you reach around them or you're passing something around. So it's effectively, I mean, it's ridiculous to begin with, but right. those are industry standards. Those are part of state health suggestions, which aren't suggestions. They're, it's like voluntold, you know, you're, you're told to do this. Mm. And all of a sudden, if you don't do that, you might find out you're inspected and you're fine. You know, and now some states make it a requirement. I mean, you're in Hawaii, you're in California. These things are a requirement. But even in other states, even in surprisingly conservative states, you've got these things as public health requirements. So I'm looking through my mentions here. Somebody tagged me earlier. Um, uh, church, this dude was... I'm trying to pull up the video. Here's the video. I'm going to go ahead and we're going to play this video real fast for the folks. Let's I want everybody to see this. Um, Andrew, I'm not sure if you saw this video. 
Show me and I'll tell you. But um, you, you, you might not be able to see it um, unless you can pull up. Uh, what am I doing? Um, if you pull up YouTube, you'll be able to watch it along with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll but, do that. But basically, um, what's happening here is this gentleman. Let me play. Out of this Please get out. Get out of this property immediately. Get out. Get out of this property. I'm sorry. Out. I don't want to hear anything. Out of this property immediately. I don't want to hear a word. Out. Out. Out of this property immediately until you come back with the warrant. Out. 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 Out of this property immediately. Out. Immediately go out and don't come back. Don't, I don't want to talk to you. Not a word. Out of this Out of this property immediately. Out. I don't care what you have to say. Out. Out. Out of this property. I saw it. Yeah, and I actually am aware of the restrictions too because I just read those restrictions in Canada. I don't know where that is, but in a lot of provinces, they've Canada is actually locking down. They're they're going stricter right now, whereas in the U.S. we're actually lightening up. I mean, even places like New York and California are finally saying, okay, our economy is shot. We got to start trying to open up a little bit. But Canada actually locked down and they, they dropped the um, number of people that can be in a, a venue. And they've also restricted capacity. They've restricted religious, religious ceremonies, funerals, weddings to 15% capacity or sometimes lower because you got to maintain the six, six foot distance. So it's even lower if you can't do the six foot distance. So, I mean, so you're in a small church, I mean, Polish church, you know, not some mega church. I mean, you're talking, you know, trying to have a service with like, you know, five or 10 people, you know, and that's just not a religious service, you know, and at, at a certain point, you got to say, look, these people are allowed to assume the risk. Let you know it, it, they're they're saying their fundamental, their right to, uh, you know, religious expression, uh, you know, trumps this public health requirement. Now, gotta understand, this is Canada, not yeah. the United States. Right, right. So they don't have our constitutional protections like we do. They they have a, they do have a constitution, but it is it functions differently than we do. So I'm not gonna I'm not a Canadian lawyer, so I'm not gonna say I'm an expert on Canada law. But what I'm saying is. This is, is yeah, that, this this video we just played was in Canada. Yeah, is yeah, yeah I saw his post church. So like wh what you got to say is is that their right to religion has to trump that, you know? And and you can't perform these ceremonies without some sort of physical contact. I went to a Polish wedding in Poland actually, and you know, I went uh, it was a Catholic service. And here when you go to a Catholic service, they'll put the wafer in your hands. In Poland, they don't do that. It goes right on your tongue. Yes. That bad boy is going on your tongue. He's putting it physically on there. Correct. There is no way to hold that service without violating restrictions. But I think the people well know when they go to that service that they're going to be taking a risk. And are they allowed to assume that risk for the sake of their religion? In the United States, I would definitely say yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is, a, that is a fundamental, I mean, religion. I mean, come on, it's your religion. I mean, you know, and you need to do that. It's not something, I mean, you're supposed to go to communion every single week. I know a lot of Catholics, that's, uh, they break that rule, you know, it's just Easter and Christmas. But, right. you know, if you really believe it, I think you have the right to exercise that. All right. So 
personal businesses, uh, private corporations are allowed to say, you know, put your dead mask on, mask up. The yeah. government, let's explain that part one more time for me so we can walk okay. down that yellow brick road. Federal government really does not have the right to say everybody should wear masks. Okay. And if they tried to do it, I hope to God it would be challenged. I think it would be. I think there's states that would, at least for the sake of their state's rights, because they'd be concerned about maintaining their state right, the states would say no. I think if Biden tried to pass, and he knows, if he tried to pass that federal mask mandate, try to actually make it a federal mask mandate, that wouldn't fly. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you'd have states like Texas and Florida that would challenge it, just if only to preserve their own rights. Right. But on a state level, states can put reasonable restrictions on business. Mm. But the question is, and it's never been challenged, is that a reasonable restriction or is it an undue restriction on that business? Is it also based in fact? Is it based in, you know, is it, what are these statistics? That's where what you're talking about comes in. Get that data, get that CDC data, get data from other countries, get data from countries that have never had a mask mandate and say, well, let's see how they're doing there. Does, does this actually hold up? Does it hold up that this restriction is providing the benefit commiserate with the reduction of our rights? Because you got to understand it's a balancing test. A lot of these rights, these constitutional rights are balancing and judges will have to decide what is the balance. And I think if you actually look at the stats, you're going to see the balance is way out of whack. The, the, the benefit that they're providing is not commiserate with the burden. Uh, we had here in Miami, I'm going to give you a great example. Have you heard about the, uh, I don't know if you want me to say that, the adult adult dancing establishments uh, suing down here? No, nah, what happened? So we have uh, some adult dancing establishments down here in South Florida. One of them is named uh, Tootsie's, very famous okay, yeah. establishment down here. Yeah. And they said, because we had a curfew here from midnight to 6 a.m., they said, hey, that is restricting our business unreasonably. So they sued. They actually were heard by the judge I clerked for when I was in a, when I was a law student, it was, it was hilarious. Um, and uh, the judges ruled in their favor. They said, yes, shutting down adult establishments between the hours of midnight and 6 a.m. is effectively killing their business. They may have a great buffet that like three dudes come to at 11 a.m., but come on now. Yeah. Like, you know, most people are showing up at midnight. They're showing up at 1 a.m. They're showing up when the bars close. Right. So saying the dancers can't dance at that time is a big restriction. Right. And they won. Hmm. So now other businesses, some other businesses are still obeying a midnight curfew. They're still closing. Those places still open. When you say they won, what do they win? Do they win money or they just get to be open? They won the right to be open. Okay, what happened? Now, now they had to fight. They had to fight that. Now, now you understand the problem. They had to use their own money. They had to use their own funds to go to court and to fight that. Right. But they won. Now, did that happen? That seems like it happened rather quickly, no? Yes, it did happen rather quickly. They put in a preliminary injunction, like I said earlier, yeah. allowing them to operate while this case went on okay. uh, and allowed them to do their business. And then when it went in their favor, they were now allowed to stay open. So they're still open here in, in uh, South Florida. So that preliminary injunction allowed them to continue business as usual. As usual. And, and you know, what's funny is a lot of the clubs haven't done the same thing. So you've got clubs here that are still closed 
and, and, you know, the club owners, they maybe haven't made that decision or maybe they politically are on one side of the aisle that believes they should be doing this. I know that a lot of the bars, uh, you know, I've seen signs that indicate that they're, they're okay being closed till forever, you know, because it's the right thing to do. Whatever. I don't know where they're getting their money from. I don't know how they're eating and how their employees are doing. But, um, you know, that guy decide or you know that business they own several clubs uh adult clubs they decided to sue they spent their own money and they got the decision within months people so it was local though i will say that was local that wasn't a federal law federal takes a lot longer but local you can see action a lot quicker right people um likes are free uh stop grifting and hit me with a super chat baby need new shoes <laughs> at the very least likes are free um, let's move into, uh, the passports, the vagine passports. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a huge one. It's really a hot topic right now. Uh, what's happening, uh, with this, who, who, who's talking about it? Who's trying to push it? What's going on? With this? Yeah. So here's who's pushed it. Well, well, first of all, you got to, you know, highest level, the, the big leak was the Biden administration talking about it and mm. them talking about it is a, is a green flag for, you know, people on that side to, start moving into it, start pushing it, start advocating for it. And now they did not say it was going to be a nationally run database. They said, well, it'll be privately run. <laughs> and now, yeah, I don't know how that makes it much better. But what it is, what a vaccine passport is going to be, is going to be an app, essentially, uh, that is going to have your vaccination information and that you'll be required to produce before you go into a venue. New York State has already announced, you can look it up, look up Excelsior Pass, already announced they're going to do it. And it's going to track either your vaccination or your recent COVID-19 negative. And it's going to be required to go into large, going to venues, let's say Madison Square Garden, you know, to see a game. It's going to be required for that sort of stuff. They're going to try to push it. And who knows, they may push it to smaller businesses, may start to try to require it for restaurants, bars. So you're going to see it happen at a state level. And now the immediate reaction to that was, you know, Como says, we're rolling this out. DeSantis says, hell no, not happening in Florida. And we have an executive order that says that cannot happen in Florida. What he is requiring, what Como is pushing in New York as, you know, to become standard will not be implemented in Florida. So you're having a split there uh, amongst the states. You looking this up? Do you find the Excelsior Pass thing? Yeah, I just put it on the screen, bro. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm I'm just like at a loss for words. Like people, and you know what's funny? I told this to my friends, and I said, and they said it'll never happen. There's no way that'll happen. I said, it, guys, it's already happening in New York. You thought it couldn't happen? It's already happening. They took one step with the masks, you know, the social distancing, the lockout, second step. Vaccination step three, vaccination pass step four. So I might not be able to go to a Knicks game without going through this communist app. Unless you challenge it. It's up to people who live in New York to start challenging that. That's where the lawsuits would come in on the local level. You want to challenge that? Challenge that. Freedom of movement. You're restricting my business. You know, how, like if I was a vendor, you know, working at the, at, you know, that 
Madison Square Garden, I would have damages. I'd be losing business if I wasn't vaccinated or couldn't get all my staff vaccinated. Is this is this basically saying that you have been vaccinated or is this saying that it you will, have to, it will, or it says, or, okay, I see it here, it says, or negative test results. This is giving you the option. Right. So, I mean, they can say, oh, well, you know, there's an out, just get a negative, but you know, once again, you're having to do something. That's medical. what I'm saying. That's still not cool because now I got to potentially have somebody poking my butt or poking my nose. Yep. Or yeah, whatever other type of swab they're going to use on you by then. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> so they're, they're all over you, man. I mean, that's the point is that they're, they're, uh, you know, going to be collecting that data. Now here's one thing though. I think everybody who thinks they're a lawyer thought, oh, there's no way that'll pass. Cause what? HIPAA. Right. You've, you've heard of HIPAA, right? Yeah. The HIPAA violation is supposed to be private. The information yeah, is supposed no. to be private. Nope. That's not how HIPAA works. HIPAA sets requirements on doctors, hospitals, and healthcare require, uh, providers. That's true. It does not protect the information. That's the difference. People think it protects the data. People think your data is protected. It's not. What's not protected is the data. What is required is that the doctors go through certain steps and procedures. There's a huge difference. Your data is protected from being exposed by doctors and healthcare workers, but Boom. outside of that, your data is not protected. And here's the logic. You're giving your inform you're electing freely to give your information to this app. You get what I'm saying? You're electing to do it. But so it's like a distinction without a difference. It's like, really? Yeah. Really? Oh. It's like, how about no? How about no? I don't want you to know my information. What about employers? Somebody just brought that up. Shout out to post. Ah, that's a, that's a good one. That's a good one. So that's changed. The C has changed and we will see big shifts here. Cause okay. Think about the flu, right? Mm -hmm. Who do you know is required to get a flu shot? Nobody. That's not true. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh, well if the nurses, right? Yeah. Boom. You got a nurse. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I had a, I had a, um, a nurse girlfriend at one point and she was always getting them updated flu shots, right. you know, cause they have to, cause they're working with people. They got to be up to date. Right. Okay. Also, I think the military, uh, you know, especially if you're on the right. front line, you're getting the flu shot. I know a guy, you know, he got the anthrax shots and, and desert storm and stuff. You're really on the bleeding edge of vaccinations because right. you're in the military, you're on the front lines. Right. But the, the, the shift is, is that the CDC has now switched the guidance now, once again, it's not a requirement, but it's guidance. Mm. They've switched it so that more people are recommended to be vaccinated. So you're going to see more people who are customer facing, who are dealing with people on a regular basis. Think flight attendant, think front desk clerk at a hotel, think anybody who's in customer service, think a waiter, bartender. You're going to see companies saying, you know what? You need to get vaccinated. That's what you need to do. And that's going to be when the real challenges come down. When, and, and there'll be cases on that, I'm sure, because I'm sure people will have an issue with that. But, I, but it's, it's coming. It is coming where some people are going to make it, that, make it a requirement.
that's sort of like what you were talking about earlier at the state level where it's administrative suggestions yep. and sort of suggestions, which are like, like I said, it's like the voluntold, you know, yeah. you're saying, well, we suggest you get your employees vaccinated. Every business, as soon as they suggest it, every business is going to do it because they've suggested it. Right. And they don't, they don't want the liability. Exactly. Now you're negligent for going against it. And the burden of proof is going to shift. If there's a case against you, someone gets, you know, the, the, the beer bug, they're going to come back and say, well, you didn't follow the guidance. Right. Right. And then they're going to be able to put you out of business. Or gotcha. Whatever. Or, or, you know, maybe big corporations can take it, but small right. corporations certainly can't. Right. 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 Exactly. Small businesses can't. Cashiers. Yeah. Cashiers. Right. Anybody front facing. I mean, and, and what they're supposed to do is offer you a back of the house job. Say, okay, we're going to offer you a back of the house. But what if you don't have any back of the house jobs? Right. None available. Or, or what if, or what if you just, that's your job. You like being a bartender. You don't want to be the bar back. You don't want to be the guy who's you know behind you want to be the bartender. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, it's, it's going to be very interesting when that rolls out. It's, it's coming. Don't, don't you worry. Are you optimistic, pessimistic of this stuff happening? I am. Um, well, I don't know how to say. <laughs> Depending I, on how, how you. Yeah. <laughs> right. So let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. I think the employers are going to try to going to try to require it, but I am optimistic that the pushback is going to be legendary. And on that front, I think they will take the loss. But I think that is the line that the, I think they're they're trying to push as far as they can. They're trying to push as far as they can. I think that may be the bridge too far, and I think that they may go a little too far trying to require everybody to be vaccinated. I, I think that may be a line that they may be, that, that's, that might be the line that they get. Hmm. Now, another area, and I talk about this in a lot of my videos, which people don't think about, is international travel and getting a passport. So you have the laws regarding the requirements to get a passport and also the laws that other countries put on you when you travel there. So I went to Brazil. So I got, when I went to, got, went to Brazil, you know, I got a bunch of extra shots that I did not normally get. You know, I did not have normally. And I got some updated, like tetanus, other things. And I have a yellow card. It's like an international vaccination card that shows I got those shots. Well, they're sovereign countries. They can set whatever rules they want. And if they get together and they say, you know, let's say the EU says we're making this standard through the EU, you can't come to France, Germany, Czech Republic, anywhere without the vaccination. I mean, technically they're allowed to say that. And, and that's something that people should be cognizant of. You, sh you should expect to see that because that's me reading my crystal ball and saying that certain countries are definitely gonna require this. I think others won't. And I think there's definitely um, an economic disparity because there's parts of the world where they don't have the money to be getting shots like this. They don't get flu shots like this. So you're going to see countries that do and countries that don't. And I think the big thing is you're going to see countries that don't profiting in a way because yes. tourism is going to boom. I went to Mexico during, um, in December, you know why there was no test requirement. I was able to get on, go to Mexico, have a great time, met a lot of cool people, met an amazing Egyptian doctor who told me a lot. He, he actually does immunology, told me a lot about this and the real statistics that he sees in his practice. Um, and, you know, got back on a plane and came. Now, since then, Biden's in office, there's now a requirement that you get that test because the U.S. is requiring it. Um, but they may try to slap that on passports. Biden may try to slap a vaccine requirement uh, to get a passport. Now, I think that could be challenged on the U.S. side, 
but where you couldn't challenge it if it's a foreign country. So right. I hope that people realize that, you know, when they when they're traveling, that this may become something that that becomes big. I fully expect the EU to pull something like that. Uh, the EU is for sure. I mean, I think we're banned from the EU right now. Like the US <laughs> is not even allowed in. So yeah. So I'm sure we're going to see that from the EU. How does this affect us on the US side of things constitutionally? Are there any rights that are being infringed upon? And how do, how do, what's the outlook on that? For, I mean, for sure. I mean, I think that one thing that that's massive, like I said, is this freedom of movement, freedom of travel. So the whole point Where is the that US, in the Constitution? It's it's not. It's a um, it's sort of an implied, implied right, right, right. So so uh, in the United States, since the beginning, the implication is that you're able to go from Florida to Georgia, Georgia to North Carolina, North Carolina to New York, New York to Pennsylvania without being unreasonably restricted. Right. Back in the day, uh, one of the things they tried to do, which they found unconstitutional, excuse me, unconstitutional, was they tried to set up taxes between states. They, uh, there were guys who were trying to, back in the day, they were trying to bring clams in from New York to New Jersey, or maybe it was Pennsylvania to New Jersey. They were trying to transport clams. And there was a tax when you got to New Jersey. Mm. You know, Big surprise, Jersey trying to tax somebody, <laughs> right? You get them over the bridge. That's how you always get them, right? Yeah. Um, so... You know, they were trying to hit somebody with a clam tax and they said, nah, you can't do that. That's unreasonable. Mm. And they said, you, you're restricting their freedom to travel and sell their goods. You cannot do that between states. Right. Federally, you want to set a federal clam tax that, you know, clams from Brazil can't come here. You know, we get a tax from Norway, you know, they're, they're salmon. That's fine, but not between states. So th that's where these people need to challenge these vaccine requirements is saying that if I want to go to New York, and I want to go somewhere and I want to do business there, that should not be permitted. I should be able to travel as I want. And, and let's say let's say airlines try to require it. That's another bull one. The airlines might say, hey, you want to get on an airline? You got to have a vaccine. You want to get on, you know, American Airlines, Delta? And, and I'll tell you a fun fact about that real quick uh, after I finish this. But that would be restricting the freedom to travel, the freedom of movement. And that would be challenged immediately or should be challenged immediately. Because if you're hopping on a flight between Dallas and New York, you shouldn't be required to get a vaccine just to go through the airport at JFK. Mm. That's restricting your freedom of movement. Mm. And now people may say, oh, well, you can get in a car. Nah, nah, it's not the same thing. That's restricting business unreasonably. You know, it's not the same thing to hop in a car versus hop in a plane. Don't even try to get that argument. Right. I mean, you know. But uh, these are these are me thinking in the future on how to defeat these things. Not implemented yet. Um, but yeah, got to be forward thinking. Yeah. So the rule doesn't apply with airlines about, you know, um, private corporations mandating things. So the, the airlines are interesting because they're subject to FAA rules. So, um, you know, they're implementing FAA rules. So there's and I've been thinking about this right now. It's like an issue that may come up. Um, is, you know, if the FAA, you know, now under the great leadership of Joe Biden, um, you know, and President Harris, uh, you know, dictates that we are vaccinated before we get on a flight, there will be issues locally with that. So the, the issues will be with the states, with, with, you know, Texas, with Florida, with all these states that are not going to be okay with that. There's definitely going to be issues. They may be able to require it if you're going to the UK or going to Paris, but definitely not between states. That would be a challenge. And that would definitely be something that constitutionally could be challenged. Mm, mm. But I get concerned about it because 
there's so much virtue signaling going on with these uh, with these airlines right now. Have you heard about the Delta thing uh, with the Georgia voter law? No, what happened? So Delta, uh, you know, this Georgia voter law passed, and and by the way, that voter law in many ways was a compromise bill. Um, it actually expanded early voting, added four right. extra days you could vote. You know, uh, it, the only IDs that are, it required are IDs they currently require under Georgia law, yeah. which include expired driver's licenses, which, you know, the, the old studies that say there's a racial disparity between whites and blacks and Latinos regarding uh, driver's licenses, that was regarding legi- like non-suspended licenses. Mm. So the fact that they can bring in a suspended completely negates that study. Yeah. But they said that Georgia was regressive, that they're, you know, this is segregation, blah, blah, blah. Delta came out and made a statement in Georgia, headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia, said that Georgia should not pass this law. We're totally against it. So the Georgia House said, oh, really? And suspended their subsidy on jet fuel. So I believe it may be 35 million or 36 million, some large, huge amount of subsidies they lost per year for their value, for their, you know, statements. Mm-mm. So it's, it'll be interesting where this goes because these 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 airlines are willing to, you know, they've been making these statements to try to stay on the you know the right side of these things, and it's just interesting. It's it's concerning, but also interesting. Yeah, I heard that with the MLB. MLB came out recently and said, you know, they're against, uh, they're not going to have their uh, All Star Game or whatever it's called in in Georgia because of the law of the voter ID. Yeah. I think it's just really, really racist for them to say that black people can't get IDs. Um, and then somebody- Yeah, they, it's racist to assume that you don't know where the DMV is. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, come on. Yeah. Somebody said, there's two numbers on there on your dr- driver's license, and we don't think black people will be able to figure out which one it is. So it's like, oh, so you're basically <laughs> calling us stupid. That's the most racist. That's like, that's way more racist than the presumption that they're making in the first place. Exactly. 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 So the airlines, what you're saying, does not have a right to restrict our travel based upon the contingency of uh, the vaccination. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think domestically, I don't think they have the right to restrict it. I mean, look, masks are something we've, we're all accepting right now. So I think the ma- challenging masks is going to be a little hard for, for probably a while. But I think it'll be something that may come up, you know, as we, as we I don't want to say come out of this, but as states... Uh, eventually take different approaches. I mean, you're seeing that right now in, in Texas and Florida and a lot of different states that are saying, you know what, we're, we're done. And I think, you know, one of my predictions, because you're seeing the restrictions in these um, liberal northern, you know, New York, California, you're seeing these restrictions lighten up. I think they're, they're in a way afraid because they know that when these, you know, when they see these, these southern states uh, lifting the restrictions and they see that nothing's happening, you know, it's not the walking dead. It's not the black plague where everyone's dropping dead. You know, we're not having giant spikes when they see that they're going to, they're going to, you know, realize that the, the game is up, the jig is up. Mm. Um, and some of their own laws might be a little bit more suspect because like you said, data matters to judges. Mm, interesting. Data um, matters to judges. Absolutely. Absolutely. It should. Um, Cassius Cam said IBM is the company doing the vax port. Uh, IBM also helped the Third Reich with the tracking technology during the halls of cost. Uh, calling spades, bro. Man, I've been doing some reading about that uh, Third Reich, and there was a lot of companies helping out. <laughs> well, you know, you, if you want to go, there's a, there's a lot. There's so many. I mean, Fanta, right? You know, I mean, that's like, it's all these things that can be tied back. What is it? Um, 
Uh, I think a game on Wikipedia is like six degrees to Hitler. I mean, you can always get there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Silver Sister said, this is scary. It is. It is scary. I think, you know what the scary part is? The scary part isn't the fact that they're trying to impose these things. The scary part is that our cohort is not challenging it. Exactly. That it's got, it's gone this far. That's what terrifies me. And that's why I started my channel and started speaking up on this is because it has gotten to a ridiculous level. I never thought as an American living in the US that I would see our constitutional rights infringed on this level. I never thought that was possible. If you told me that Americans will be required to wear masks and certain businesses will be completely shut down based on what type of business they're doing, I would have laughed in your face. But that's what happened. And that's another thing. Not enough businesses challenged those restrictions. That was something that blew my mind. And maybe I didn't hear about it, but why is Walmart and Costco and Target allowed to be open in smaller stores, you know, smaller retail stores are not allowed to be open? That is something they could have challenged. They could have said, this is arbitrary and capricious. And by the way, when you hear arbitrary and capricious, that's a legal standard. That pretty much means, you might as well mean ridiculous. That means it's something that they're just making up, not based on data. They're just pulling stuff out. They're saying, hey, we're labeling this as essential and this is non-essential. And it's ridiculous what they labeled as essential versus non-essential, right? And that was never robustly challenged. There were never groups like the Chamber of Commerce, like other groups that, that I thought were, would never take that laying down. They did not stand up and they did not say a dang thing to fight these restrictions. They did not do anything to save jobs, to help people, to help people save their small businesses. They just let them die. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They let them die and become unemployed or lose their business or just go out of business and forfeit that business to Jeff Bezos and Amazon because he he made a lot of money during this. A lot of the billionaires, like their businesses spiked during the pandemic while everybody oh, else huge. died. Yeah. We're going to come right back to that topic um, real quick. I need everyone to go to uh, YouTube, type in legal mindset um, on legal mindset. That's Andrew's channel amazing content on there i've spent uh about an hour so far devouring some of the content and he's got you know some short videos in there to give you some nice uh sound bites to understand uh some some legal things about our country and so on and so forth and constitutional law as well that's legal mindset make sure you guys subscribe to it uh, because he's one of those few voices that we need to start fighting uh for our constitutional rights uh says so legal mindset uh, Sean Kingston, what up, Sean Kingston, <laughs> said, uh, <laughs> would the right to travel technically be a part of the 14th Amendment privileges and immunities clause? clause? Yeah, I, I, like, I don't think it roots under 14th Amendment. Um, once again, I haven't done a, like a super deep dive. You know, one thing is, is that, um, uh, is that some rights can spring under multiple amendments. So you can make an argument. Um, that it uh, that it springs under different amendments. Um, essentially, I think most of the, the rights to travel spring under um, the Fifth Amendment, actually, which is not being deprived of um, liberty uh, without due process of law. You know, which is you know seen as your right to travel will be a liberty. Um, yeah. So. 
um, but also there's there's other things. I mean, you can make it a First Amendment thing. You know, you can make you could bring in other amendments. And guys, you got to understand when there's a constitutional law challenge, you're going to throw every freaking amendment you can at the board to try to make it stick. So you're you're you know, I can come in and come in with a, a saying, well, oh, it's really this one. But they could sue under everything because you're really trying to get that W. And sometimes you can win under an unexpected amendment. Um, so even ones that are kind of not used, you can sometimes win under. Mm, mm, interesting. Um, Mike Sinatra. So not only we have to deal with this, we have to deal with women censoring us too. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, like I said, I think I really feel like what's scary. Thank you, Ken. Patriot J in the chat. Trisha, what up, Trish? Uh, my, the mod sketch. Appreciate y'all holding us down. Um, but like I said, what is, what's always scary is how our, um, our cronies are, you know, how, how they mm -hmm. have reacted to this stuff. It's, it's arbitrary and capricious, uh, mm -hmm. how they're, <laughs> you see how quick I learned, baby. <laughs> yeah, I love, it. I love it, man. You're, you're a quick study. <laughs> you know, it's arbitrary and capricious the way our cohort is acting. Uh, and I think that's the scary part. The fact that more people aren't pushing back against this mandate. What I wanted to pick from you, uh, Andrew, and you, you hinted on this just a few moments ago was the essential business side of things. Who yeah. the hell decided or, or even came up with this idea of essential business and said who was essential and how did Walmart and these places fall under that category? We all know who decided. It's the politicians. And, and whoever paid them the most to be deemed essential. I mean, look, it, it's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence that the stores that were deemed essential are the stores that were deemed essential. It's not a coincidence that liquor stores were deemed essential, that you know, <laughs> liquor stores, you know, cigarettes, you know, deemed essential, while religious services were deemed completely impermissible. You know, you can't go to church, you can't exercise your faith. And in fact, some cases, you can't even visit your family. You can't even visit other members of your family in a lot of cases, because you'd be going over the household limit or, you know, uh, violating some other restriction. You know, you can't visit your family, but you can visit Target, you can visit Walmart, you can go in there and surround yourself with a bunch of other people with almost no limit, because that is an essential business. And, and that is the thing that really triggered me and it triggered a lot. I mean, it should trigger anybody who thinks about business and who thinks about law. If you're considered thinking about any of these things, you think this was completely arbitrary. Now, I did hear that in the beginning, there were some people that sued on it. Uh, but I think they kind of sued too early without too much of a basis. And yeah. it may have, it may have thrown things off because in the beginning, I think uh, there was a bit of a consensus and an overreaction. Yeah. So there was a, we don't know what this is. So, right. you know, 14 days to stop the spread, you know, we all expected to be going about our business after 14 days. Right. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, but you know, I think a lot of people did. I knew what was coming. Right. I saw it, the writing on the wall, but um you know, I think that a lot of people expected these things to be very, very limited, not become a new normal. Um, but, you know, these businesses said, hey, the big businesses said, hey, uh, you know, people need food and we're the ones who should be providing that. And it's simple as that, you know, and they shut down small family restaurants, they shut down food trucks, they shut down things that are owned by families, by regular people and regular Americans, which, by the way, small business you know, before the pandemic was, was still generating as a sum total more than 
all of the you know Fortune 500 companies mm. um, in the U.S. The the proportion of, of revenue was still balanced in the favor of small business. I haven't, you know, honestly, frankly, and I'd be interesting if you know this hotel, but I don't know how those numbers are shaken out. I guarantee you they've taken a, a massive hit. And that has, has been a kind of a realignment, I think, in the favor of uh, the big businesses, which, frankly, have much better lobbyists than the small businesses. Right. I, the only statistic I heard of, and this is probably old, somewhere in 2020, was that 50% of a small business died during the pandemic reaction. You, you know, you, I don't know, but you telling me that, I believe it. Right. Like you, you, you saying that, I believe it, especially knowing how many are restaurants and, and I worked in a restaurant. Have you ever worked in a restaurant? Yeah, Montel? several. Yeah. You know, the margins are, are, are horrible. I mean, the margins yeah. are thin. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're not making a, you know, 20%, 50%, no. you're making like a razor thin, like 2%, 3% margin. Correct. You know, because you, you, you know, so your money's being made at the bar. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you're making a drinks or specials, or maybe you're marking up a steak, a fraction, right. you know, but you're not making a hand over fist amount of money. No. So those places don't have funds in reserve to operate for six months of not operating. They're just out of business. Right. Right. They're, they're done. Yeah. I mean, so that's a lot of mom and pop businesses too. Especially a lot of mom like and pop businesses, small suburbs and so on and so forth. Yeah. You just start a business cooking, you know, you're making the food that, that you like to make your ethnic food. I mean, that, that probably hit more communities, you know, more nationalities, more ethnicities than anything else. I mean, that in itself, the lockdowns were probably more desperately impacting different communities than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like killed those businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rachel D in the chat said it's over 60% now. Why? I believe it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely I believe, believe it. that. Um, Andrew, is there anything that we didn't cover today that you want to cover? Um, feel free to speak your piece now. Look, I now I can I could go on, man. I can talk about con law all day and all night. Yeah. I mean, and I think the thing is, is that people have to understand is that these are fundamental rights, and we got to understand that people fought really hard for these rights, and the second you give them up we're going to a level that's going to be sort of unchecked government control. The reason why all these other governments, you know, Canada, the EU, all these other governments can do what they want to do. The UK can do just ridiculously restrictive things is because they don't have constitutions like ours. They don't have fundamental rights like ours. So it's up to us to understand the law and fight to protect it. So you really need to know the law and fight for it because otherwise you're going to lose these rights and they're never going to come back. Mm. If something happens in the media, make sure you guys subscribe and like to the channel before y'all get out of here. Make sure you subscribe. Um, if something happens legal, can I invite you back to the channel again? To talk Absolutely. About I am happy to come back. Any legal topic you need. And there's look, I, I know there's going to be stuff coming down the pike. It is, it is destiny that there's going to be things coming down the pike that are going to be ridiculous, that are going to be just straight oppressive. And I think we got to think about how to attack these things on multiple fronts, just like they're coming at us as individuals, as Americans. They're coming at us on multiple, multiple angles. We got to come back at them on multiple angles. We got to fight back on multiple levels and say, hey, we're not just coming in with one argument. We're coming with 10 arguments on why this is bunk. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. Because I really want to just start providing this information, let, empowering people to start their own think takes and yep. uh, you know uh, things of that nature. So uh, next and time, we need I more, and we need more. If anybody out there is thinking about law school, thinking about it, we need more people who are dedicated. Like we spoke about two A, 
we need lawyers who are out there who are going to be dedicated to fighting these things and be experts. You know, I, I'm a dabbler. I'm dabbling in this. I'm learning it, you know, day by day. I'm not the, the master of 2A. We need people who are the masters. We're out there. That's all they do. They live, they breathe, and they sleep 2A, and they're fighting these fights. We need people who do that. So, I mean, to anybody out there, if you're thinking about it, and you're, maybe you're in law school or maybe you're coming out, that's a potential niche for you. And you could be very successful in that niche because let me tell you right now, there's nobody else in it. It is an uncrowded field. Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, people think law, right? And it's very broad. Um, what you're saying is somebody can niche down into just one single amendment here. Yeah, and not just that. Niche down into attacking, into, into attacking to a restrictive. You'd be employed for life. I mean, if you could go out and just and, and find people, you could do it. Wow. So somebody wanted to be an attorney right now. Two ways a good angle to go. I think two ways going to, I mean, I think attacking two way would be great. I think that the, the, the pressure is going to, oh, for the next, for the, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean, so you die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do they die or they appeal to two way? I mean, you know, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's the options. Yeah. Um, Dr. Bees and Guns uh, said, excellent interview. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Um, again, Legal Mindset. He has his channel. Andrew has a channel on here on YouTube. Legal Mindset. Um, and posted his Instagram account on here as well. Make sure you subscribe. He's very active on YouTube. His channel is growing very fast. Uh, this is somebody you're going to hear about. Um, I'll hear a lot about. I, I, would, I would predict a year from now, this guy's like, really starting to make a lot of noise you're going to hear a lot of them and you're going to remember i saw him on hotep jesus channel last year right yeah <laughs> but um andrew thank you for coming through man to provide us with this education appreciate it happy to be here awesome people hotep jesus we are going to get out of here um subscribe to the youtube channel this interview will be up on apple and spotify and soundcloud in a few days uh, so I can get my grift on here on YouTube of this interview. Um, but that, that the audio version will be available on those platforms. So make sure you subscribe to Sharp Conversations, S-H-A-R-P-E, Conversations on those other platforms, Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and you'll be able to find the audio version of this. And I'm out of here, Hotep, and I love y'all. ...on those other platforms, Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and you'll be able to find the audio version of this. And... I'm out of here, Hotep, and I love y'all.